Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. Today we are joined by Christian Mendez, who is from Guatemala and currently a PhD student in performance arts at the University of Texas at Austin. He is a theater director and has taught undergrad classes in theater history, theory, and practice, including Indian and Sanskrit performance. I met Christian in Seneca Falls Co-op in Austin, where I moved just as the COVID-19 pandemic started. During the pandemic, we shared a makeshift office in the house, played Settlers of Catan for hours on end, and when he would teach Spanish undergrad language classes online, I stayed in a corner of the room and learned almost a whole course's worth for free. At some point, I learned that Christian has studied the intersection of scientific narrative and theater, and I also realized that he has had an interesting life. So naturally, I sat him down for a podcast one day. This is that podcast being published almost two years later, because that's how things are in my world, in case you haven't caught on yet. So in this first part, Christian tells me about Guatemala, its nature, history, and economy, and its peoples, culture, and languages. He also paints a picture of his family, and growing up, and early education. Christian. Well, right. yeah, thanks a lot for um, agreeing to come on my podcast. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So the reason that I wanted to talk to you is uh, I get a sense that there's a lot of interesting things for me to learn here. There are like dimensions that you have experienced and that you can share. So um, the first thing that I would really like to know is about Guatemala, where you were born. I'm in general very curious about mm-hmm. like uh, other countries and I like to travel a lot. So can you paint a picture for of Guatemala for me? I've never been like, who? Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, um, it's a very small country compared to the US. Um, we have, and to India, we have 14 million people. Mm. Um, give or take a few. Interestingly, the city of Austin and the city of Guatemala have the roughly the same number of inhabitants. Um, so it's about my home city is about the same size as Austin, mm. um, in terms of people. There's a lot of uh, ethnic groups, like in oh. India, um, not nearly as many, but quite a few for how small we are. There's four large groups. Um, well, no, one of the official classification is that there's four large groups. Um, which is um, Maya, and Maya really is just like a little bit racist way to think about like 24 to, 20, oh, to 27 different like linguistic groups uh-huh. that have just been grouped under one being like you're just you're, you're all Maya. And then there's um, Shinkas, which is another group of indigenous people that were there. They're about um, less than 5% of the population. Mayas are actually around... The official sense is that there are less than 50%, but I think officially there probably are, and there's probably more Maya people yeah. than the other ethnic groups. The third one is Garifunas, which is Afro-Latinos. Um, uh. 
who live in the Caribbean. And the last one is my ethnic group, which is honestly the best way to define it is like none of the above. Mm. Um, it is primarily or it is significantly white, mm. like white Guatemalans, mm. or the way a Twitter person defined it as that white Guatemalan. White Guatemalan. Yeah, okay, like white okay. Guatemalan. Um, yeah. And but there's also a lot of other people like my aunts and my some a lot of my close relatives, my dad, who are in that ethnic group, mm. but they're not white skinned. And so it's complex because that ethnic group, people can like transition into it. Like it, they can leave behind their like indigenous heritage and like stop wearing their traditional costumes and, and, and learn speaking Spanish and in English and then just and change their last names and then become part of that ethnic uh, slash cultural group. The Guatemalan. Well, the, well the, the name of it is Ladino. Latino? Ladino. With a Ladino. D, with a D. Is yeah. this specific to Guatemala? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we okay. never, for better or for worse, we never really embraced the um, discourse of like mestizaje, like like the mixing the, the mixed races. Yeah. Um, some people use the word mestizo to refer yeah. to themselves, but um, unlike Me- Mexico or um, or Bolivia, like we never really embraced it. We have the word Latino, and um, yeah, it's kind of complicated. Um, as you can imagine, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of conflict between these ethnic groups, uh, often um, provoked by outside forces. There was a war that went from 1960 to 1996. Uh, it was 36 years of war, and that was because... Uh, it's a complicated thing, but essentially it was supposed to be between like the left and the right. Um, and the right was the government, and the left were um, the communists, with air quotes, mm. um, which is why associated with the indigenous peoples. Um, so that was really bloody, and it ended in 1996, so it was still happening when I was born. Um, Wait, when were you born? 1992. You were born in 1992. Oh, shit, I forget that I'm a little older than you. Uh-huh, yeah, you're older than me. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm 27. And yeah. so... Damn, I always keep thinking that you're older than me. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so the... Um, so that was really intense, um, and it, there's all kinds of like political repercussions today mm, yeah. because of that war. And then we're still a very divided country economically. Um, our Gini coefficient is higher than India's, actually. That is the coefficient that measures inequality, right? Inequality of income. How, what mm-hmm. percentage of the population holds the top like five yeah. percent of the income yeah. and then the what percentage was the lowest five percent and we are like on the at least the last time i checked which is nearly a few years ago we were in like the top 10 most unequal countries in the world uh above india which like shocked me because mm. the inequality in india i feel like i saw it so blatantly yeah. but i feel like what that means is that in my country is just it's equally blatant it's just not visible mm. um they will have money to lead much more private lives and so yeah so that's it uh, not a lot of people speak English, although that's also changing. But when I left 10 years ago, less than 5% of the population spoke English. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Spoke English. There's one state university and then a lot of private universities. Um, the state one is the best in like medicine and a couple of other fields, law. But, um, but then the private ones are just better resourced. Um, and, and that's also part of the inequalities. It's so expensive to go to university in Guatemala. Like relative to the income that people make. So it's a very unequal country, but we do know how to make fun of <laughs> like my aunts 
and almost everybody you know like there's just see i might be wrong here and this might be a stereotype uh-huh. but i have this stereotype that latin people kind of just kind of know how to have fun this is in my limited experience of uh, like mexican people colombian people and like people from various other latin american countries it might have been the people that you've met like okay. because like because of where you've been and and who you've been with yeah. um but i do think like we have a more I don't know. I think Americans know how to have fun as well. I think, like, you know, they have so many holidays. Yeah. And, like, you see the tradition of, like, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, and, like, their festivities. I feel like it's just a different, mm. maybe perhaps more re- re- relatable to you. Mm. Um, but I think Americans know how to have fun as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just what I was getting at, though, is that, like, we know how to make fun. I think it's a slightly different thing, having fun with, like, making fun of our circumstances and so like all kinds of um what's the word i want to use yeah it's just things are so fucked up that sometimes like the only thing you can do is laugh about it yeah um and so i think that that i would identify that as being like um a defining feature for us especially because we're not particularly nationalistic and so it's very easy for us to make fun of our own country Mm. Uh, sometimes in ways that are not very useful um, but and even like the people who want to uphold the values of like Guatemala like are just so like are seen as like too uptight and too serious versus here I feel like if you ask most people in the house like do you believe in America as like a a, a concept I feel like more people would say yes and so we're just a little bit more the idea of the nation of Guatemala is just not really steeped into, yeah. at least publicly, maybe in private it is. But, so that's, I think, interesting. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of natural beauty. Um, volcano, we're entering the fire, so a lot of volcanoes, uh, a lot of earthquakes. I grew up with so many natural disasters. Like, one of my earliest memories is seeing uh, ash rain from the sky in 1998 because of a volcanic eruption. When I was coming back from school in Sehoko. Uh, <laughs> it was awful. Like, the villages near the volcano were destroyed. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Earthquakes, volcanoes, um, tropical storms, hurricanes. No tornadoes. And no wildfires either. But, yeah. we grew up, You grow up used to a lot of extremes when you live in Guatemala. Yeah. A lot of extremes. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. What was the... Like, you grew up in a city. Yes. In Guatemala City. Mm-hmm. And so what's the terrain like? Is it like pretty flat? I've been no. thinking of asking you this question. Like what is the picture? No, it's very mon- mountainous. Um, okay. We're So the Rocky Mountains in the US uh, become, we call it Sierra Madre, which yeah. is the like, mother um, mountain range when it goes through Central America. And then that same mountain range becomes the Andes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah. Guatemala is actually smacked in the middle of the mountains. Yeah. And so it's supposed to be like the longest mountain range in the world. Is the... If you count all of it as one, yeah, I think yeah. so. But I don't know how many people do. Um, but yeah, so Guatemala is in a valley in between those mountains. Yeah. So like the part of town that my mom lives in, she because mm. she lives on the mountain and she also was born on the mountain, like outside mm. of the city. Uh, you can see the city. You can look down onto the city. Yeah. Uh, pretty well and sometimes you can see the clouds really well like it's very very mountainous yeah yeah, yeah. we have a lot of cloud forests in yeah the, in the upper parts so. yeah okay. yeah um and you mentioned that these uh, maya people you said there's like 20 or so linguistic groups are clubbed together so does that mean that in addition to like some people speaking english and maybe most people speaking spanish that mm-hmm. there are 
that many languages in Guatemala? Yeah. And the politics of which what is recognized as a language, you know, it's 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 that it's politics. Like the reason that like Norwegian and Danish are different languages is because of politics, but like they're Oh all... really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Norwegian, Danish and uh what's the other one? There's a third language. But yeah, that's what happened in, in, in North Yeah. Um and that's a different thing. But um yeah, that's just an aspect of linguistics that my friends who are linguists said like the difference between a dialect and a language it's politics yeah um so you have um i st- i studied one of those languages and like from that branch of the family the i think it's a, either kachikel or sudui there's four is that kachikel kiche kachikel kiche uh and there's one more that you're making some right sounds now. that yeah are very exactly. new to me yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah to heal is like you do it and then there's like a, a cut is like to to heal and then the like tactical uh is it anyway the problems that you can make but um yeah so that branch the like kiche tactical uh to heal and there's one more i forget what it is um those four languages are like intelligent relatively intelligible to each other but not really yeah. it's like the difference between spanish and portuguese yeah um Probably even more, maybe more like Spanish and Dutch, but um, then you have like Okomam or Chi that are like completely different, and but they were all rooted under one group, which is like Maya, yeah. which is like, and so yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of languages, and that was one of the things that when I went to India, I was so inspired that like to to see that like in Maharashtra, kids learn Marathi, Hindi, and in and in the urban schools English. So it's like you, you see there is a model in which people do learn more than one language um now in the national there's this thing called the national based curriculum which is like the standards for the whole country um teachers are supposed to teach um spanish and an indigenous language but the majority of teachers including my own family just does not know how to speak it and so kids are supposed to be learning an indigenous language in school but it's not implemented hmm. because of a number of reasons and so yeah does yeah. your family or any part of your family have some indigenous language or i'm sure way way up um not that i know from my mother's side they're the reason that i'm fairly white um mm. my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather came from spain and he kind of like always married like white like he came and then they had a daughter mm. i think it, i think it was my great-grandfather um he came and then my grandma, my great grandmother, Mamalita, she was white, and then they had my uncle, my grandfather Romeo, who was also white, and he had blue eyes, and then he had my mom, who's also white, um, and then my 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 dad says a little more complicated because I don't know, I'm a, an IV uh, fertilization baby. Oh, you are, mm-hmm. and oh, so okay. I don't know. I've never really met my biological father. And then my, my dad, like the guy who raised me, he's brown. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very much brown. But, um, and his mom is brown. His dad is not. Mm-hmm. So my grandma, I'm sure, has some indigenous roots on that side. But um, I don't know from where. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So what was growing up in Guatemala like? What was, uh, how many siblings did you have? And yeah, I'm just like trying to get a picture of your yeah. life. I have uh, I have a lot of siblings, but I grew up with two. Um, I think I I mean my dad is, was in the army and mm-hmm. he served in the army during the the war, the conflict. Um, which 
the the 36 years of like internal yeah, yeah. conflict and so i grew up exposed to a lot of military culture but i never really liked it mm. um i was kind of like a solitary kid like I, my brothers would play with themselves with each other and um like they would ride their bicycles and like build things and i was never really interested like i would read books i would play legos like i would yeah i would just spend a lot of time by myself and i was like never really like minded it actually um yeah and so i was there i was you know okay students uh actually there were some years i was a really bad student my third grade especially i hated hated I, I, it's funny to remember that now um and then in sixth grade sixth seventh eighth grade i started to get my shit together a little bit more by the time i i um graduated high school i was like valedictorian of my class but that was definitely not where i started mm. um and in fact i like failed the class my um my like second to last year of, of school or no not failed but like i got a really low mark like a 67 or something like that mm. um yeah and so i was there till i was 16. um i changed schools only once i well that's not true i did my preschooling i jumped around a bunch but then from like kindergarten up until um, high school, I only changed schools once, um, and that was pretty intense because I went to an I moved to an all boys Catholic military school uh, for eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh grade. We only have eleven grades in Guatemala. Uh, From a school that was not all boys, not, not military, it was or like not Catholic, not religious, yeah. co-ed, yeah. super chill, also way cheaper yeah. than the Catholic one, and so. That was a big change. I really, really struggled with that. But it, and it also made me realize how important my learning environment was. Mm. I think if I hadn't gone through that, yeah, I probably wouldn't appreci have appreciated my learning environment for what it was. Yeah. Um, so I was, I wanted to get the fuck out. And yeah. so I, I also like, by the time I got that old, I wasn't super happy at home or feel super comfortable for a lot of reasons. Mm. And then the opportunity to go study abroad came up yeah. and I pursued it. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I left. Yeah. Okay, feel free to not answer this question, but like, was it difficult for you? Okay, was it difficult for a gay person like you to be in that Catholic yeah. military school? That I imagine that would be kind of conservative or... Yeah, very conservative. It's yeah. funny because it wasn't, it wasn't, like it was in that, yeah, all the things you said, it was conservative, people were bullied, I was bullied, but I also bullied, oh, and okay. I was really smart, and so like mm -hmm. even if people bullied me for being effeminate, like I still like told them their shit. And like I knew, or like I acted as if I was better than them because my grades were a lot better. Yeah. Also because I worked a lot harder than most of my classmates, and so yeah, I kind yeah. of like... I did have some kind of like social power within that and most of my um yeah like there was one of my friends who was out there and like when we were in high school and you know he got bullied but but also like he made it he was the proof that you could go to that school and like you know not get killed uh and be who you were him and another guy mm. uh, who i mean and they did not have it easy but also like you know they lived their lives and and some other dudes who were bullies like wanted to be friends with them and so it was like, it was much more complex than just yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. it was or it wasn't yeah, um yeah 
yeah there's more stuff but it involves other people's stories that are not meant to tell yeah, yeah, yeah. so i can't yeah. share that but there are ways that um we made it through yeah. yeah okay so as a kid what were the kinds of things that you were into like what were your hobbies or interests reading yeah absolutely reading okay. my aunts who taught me how to read i learned how to read before i turned four and once i learned like at some point like my my aunt always tells the story that she one there was this one day that she was just like she didn't know what to do because i had read every book in the house <laughs> and she didn't have anything else to give me yeah and i would sit with the um encyclopedias and just read them <laughs> literally just read nice. them like going thing by you know back when they were like giant dictionaries yeah i would just read them uh there was this other encyclopedia like encarta that yeah. was in there i would just sit and read it yeah and i still remember a lot of the like what the i read some encyclopedias when right I was yeah, yeah i just yeah. read them yeah and then i would go to, to my mom and just tell them like random facts <laughs> just because and I'd be like mom did you know da, 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 da. and she reminds me and so she started calling me like her like two-footed encyclopedia yeah, yeah. Um, because i just knew a lot of random shit yeah. um but i, I like reading uh and i also I tricked my parents into knowing that I could, into thinking that I could read before I could read. Like I memorized this book and I, I, I would tell, I would like read it. Yeah. And then one day my dad busted me. He was like, what does it say here? And I couldn't tell him. <laughs> I couldn't tell him. But I don't know why. I've just yeah. always been interested in reading. Yeah. Um, and I also wasn't particularly outgoing. I hated, I would stand up in front of the class because I believed, I think when I was in high school, I began to, see like leadership like how important leadership was like in elementary school i think i was just more of like a like whatever mm-hmm. um just like a regular student but then i started to become more interested in leadership but i hated group work and i hated being like being the person in front of the class like i would do it but it would make me really, to this day it makes me really mm-hmm. anxious and like really, really hate it so mm-hmm. and i was interested in science too like i in guatemala you do a a degree in high school where you choose whether you're going to focus on humanities or in um, sciences and I, mine was in sciences and I liked it I loved mm. chemistry um, I had gotten admission to a medical school in Guatemala City before I left and so I was really really interested in sciences um, I had some interest in art but not like I watched this is when I was older like I watched Grey's Anatomy and I liked like animated movies and stuff like that but i wasn't making anything mm. and i really struggled in my art classes for a long time until i had a professor in high school who gave us she taught us like it was called industrial arts it was basically like shop class where we would like build things and she asked us she was teaching us how to make a lamp and she asked us to design our own lamp based on an animal and mine i remember very well it was a stegosaurus so I made like five little light bulbs and it was, I built the, like the arms and it was just like a piece of metal and it was really rudimentary, but I did it. And she, Miss Coralia, she gave me um, a translucent color paper to put on each of the five. And that was like, I felt so proud that I had come up with that and I had done that, that that was like the first time that I was just like, oh, I could do this. And I also really liked languages. I loved my English classes since I was a little kid. I had a really good teacher. When I was in elementary school, I still remember her. She had braces. And, uh, yeah, I always was always interested in languages. Um, really, really interested in them. But, yeah. I'm glad you joined us today in the Room of Lives. 
In the second part, Christian shares his experiences of leaving Guatemala at age 16 and going on scholarship to an international high school in India and traveling through the country and how a foreigner like him was perceived by Indians.